Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'll Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome uh, to another edition of Sminty Fiction. Just a reminder, this is a once a month thing we do. It has a bit more soundscaping because Christina is amazing. And it's ongoing. It is part of a trilogy. And we are currently in the second one, which is called... Uh, big things start small, but we're just going to call it Terminus 2 for ease of understanding. <laughs> Quick content warning. Uh, brief discussions of disease into the world stuff. It's a dystopian story if you haven't it's listened to it. It's apocalypse, people. It's apocalypse. Yeah, it is. It is eerily like The Last of Us, but again, it came before The Last of Us. Uh, lots of stuff about coals. It feels timely right now. Um, hunger. Kind of a, a vague description of a panic attack. It's not too intense, but there is a description of a panic attack. Um, internalized ableism and shame. Uh, so, yes, this is sort of the second part of the last chapter. Here's your recap. Um, so, it is extremely cold outside. Our main characters, Tilda and her son, Madison, are being pursued after Madison was vaccinated with the last and only known vaccine to HSV-5, which is the disease that has pretty much decimated the whole population. And Tilda broadcast to the country how the state, which is sort of the rolling, ruling government body, and ARM, the religious organization affiliated with them, were behind the disease. They were basically trying to punish people with sin. But yes, our main characters have fled. After a battle broke out after that broadcast, they are low on food. They have taken shelter in an abandoned cabin in the woods. It is snowing. It is cold. There is a man with a horse that they don't know what's going on with that guy. Uh, <laughs> but the last chapter ended when they discovered a generator. Uh, so let us get in to this month's fiction.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Not daring to hope, Tilda shut the door and strode past Madison huddling in the bathroom doorway and extracted her winter jacket from where it had been strewn on the floor, jamming her arms in the sleeves and yanking at the zipper. Madison padded closer as she shoved her feet into her boots, hopping and nearly losing her balance. What is it? He asked. Do I need to get dressed too? She rammed her fingers into her gloves and pulled her hat over her head. No, just wait here. I'm going to check something outside. He nodded his acquiescence worriedly, Tilda's boots thunking down the hallway and back outside. The cold was on her just as strongly as if she'd jumped into a freezing pond, her breath fogging in front of her. Tilda examined the generator, trying to prepare herself for it not working. She'd seen her parents deal with generators before, and she'd observed it in her and Madison's brief time with the resistance. There should be... Ah, there it was. The cord you pulled to get it started. Hands shaking, she wrapped her fingers around the cord, hoping she had the strength that she needed, hoping that it wouldn't be too loud. Reminding herself that it might not have any more fuel, she took a deep breath, dug her feet into the now mostly melted snow, and yanked. She almost stumbled, the cord putting up more resistance than she'd expected. 
Spreading out her weight and getting a better grip, she tried again. This time, she managed to pull the cord about midway. The generator wheezed. Again, she anchored herself and pulled, almost losing her grip and surprise when she reached the end of the cord's length. The generator grumbled. Releasing a taut breath, Tilda yanked the cord and could feel it vibrate beneath her fingers as the generator roared to life. She fell back in shock, the cord whipping back. Tilda looked around frantically, wondering if anyone was nearby, if someone had been drawn by the noise. She twisted and turned, sharp eyes darting between trees, but she found nothing. After the initial revving sound emitted by the generator, the noise died down to a quiet hum. Tilda eyed it, wondering whether she should turn it off, but the thought of heat and of food and of water and possibly even a hot shower made the decision for her. Warily, she heaved herself back to her feet, ears pricked for the slightest sound out of the ordinary. She could see Madison's wide blue eyes peeking through the window. He stepped back, gaze never leaving her, as she pulled the door open and shut behind her. What was that sound? His question was hushed. Her footprints thudded down the hall. She turned when she entered the kitchen, heading straight for the sink. She stared at the faucet, nervous, until a gloved hand reached out of its own volition and flipped it on. There was a splutter. Then water shushed out. Tilda's knees went weak. She leaned heavily on the counter with both hands, her eyes closing as the sound of water flowing almost brought her to tears. She turned the water off. She knew it was well water. It had to be. But she didn't want to waste any unnecessarily. She didn't trust her luck enough for that, and living in a state of constant conservation had ingrained the need for smart consumption within her. The panic Tilda had been tamping down surged rapidly to the surface, revealed in contrast to her relief. Her breath came in gulps, her throat tightened. Something was building inside her. She wanted to scream. But she was very aware of Madison watching her intently, his concern palpable. Tilda gave herself an amount of controlled panic, of halting breaths and graying vision, sagging knees and forehead pressed to the cold kitchen counter. Then she slowly worked it back in its dark corner, locked it away for another time. With one last deep breath, she straightened. Her face was wet. Madison stared at her, fear stark on his own face. Still weak-kneed, she walked past him and tried out the light switch. A warm honey light from the four lamp fixtures on the counter brightened the kitchen. Madison shied back, stunned, throwing his arms up to protect his face. He lowered them, eyeing the light suspiciously, disbelieving. How? He stuttered. There was a generator outside, Tilda explained hoarsely. It uses fuel to make electricity. She sat heavily in the wooden kitchen chair, working off her gloves, her boots, her hat, her jacket, methodic, her mind buzzing with what they could do now that they had power. Heat. She stood, sliding her discarded clothes under the kitchen table for now and flipped off the light switch as she passed it. She crossed at the box on the right side of the front door she knew, despite rarely having the occasion to use, controlled the temperature. She stared, uncomprehending, at the device. The number 72 was displayed on the panel, and on the side was a switch with three positions. Heat, cool, off. Her fingers practically thrumming at the thought of it. 
she clicked the switch in position over heat. Something hummed to life. Tilda glanced at the ceiling as though she'd see heat rays emerging from the vents. The number, she guessed, was the temperature setting she wanted the room to reach. Using the plastic up arrow, she notched it up to 78. What does this mean? Madison asked breathlessly. We have power? Tilda took another deep, shaky breath. Yes. She almost couldn't believe it herself. She went back to the kitchen and fumbled under the sink for a pot, the largest one she could find, clanging it against the sides of the sink. Get some glasses, she instructed Madison, gesturing with her head to the cabinet as she filled the pot with water and set it on the largest eye. She twisted the knob to high. Madison filled two glasses with water until to retrieve the packages of pasta and mac and cheese, tearing open the packaging. They didn't have the necessary added ingredients for the mac and cheese, but the packet would have to do. She planned to cook it all, not knowing how long the generator would last. She found some salt and pepper in one of the cabinets as she waited for water to boil. She hoped the water was safe to drink. She took a big swig out of the glass Madison had placed next to her. It tasted fine, though it wasn't like she had much experience. Tilda asked Madison to get their empty bottles and refill them. Once the water started boiling, she dumped in the dry pasta, reading the directions on the back. Eight minutes, or until soft. She'd just have to gauge. Finished with the bottles, Madison repacked them in Tilda's bag as she got out plates and utensils, her stomach growling at the thought of a warm food. Once the house was a bit warmer, she turned off the heat to conserve energy. She tested the pasta, steam nearly burning her hand. It was soft under her fork. Carefully, she gripped the handles and drained the remaining water out, losing a few noodles along the way. She ripped open the packet, revealing a bright orange powder. She dumped it over the noodles, hoping that it would taste okay after all these years. She sprinkled on some salt and pepper and gave it a couple of big stirves with a serving spoon that she'd found. Madison watched, following her every move, mouth slack, almost salivating. He practically ran to get a plate when Tilda asked, at her side, vanished, and back within seconds. He held it up to her as she scooped light orange noodles onto the bright yellow plate, taking up about half of the space. She didn't want either of them to get sick from overeating. He took a seat at the table as she helped up herself, hands cupping either side of the plate as he stared down at the steaming plate of food. She took a seat across from him, picking up a fork, a foreign utensil that felt unwieldy in her hand. They were both almost vibrating with anticipation. Be careful. It's hot. And I don't know how it will taste. Madison nodded, scooping up a heaping forkful. Tilda followed his lead, taking a tiny bite. It was hot, but not overly so. And after weeks of hard, stale food, it tasted amazing, salty, and even cheesy. Madison did as told, but she could tell it took a lot of restraint for him not to shovel bite after bite. They had over half the pot left, too. Dinner tonight, she supposed. She doubted they'd be able to make the muffins. They ate in silence, the only sounds the scraping and clanking of fork against plate, the sipping of water and chewing of pasta. Both of their lips were covered in orange sauce. Soon they slowed down, their stomachs unused to this amount of food. Madison swung his feet lazily under the table, finishing before Tilda. She chuckled at the orange around his mouth, knowing she couldn't look any better. 
Once she was finished, she wiped down both their plates with paper towels, put the lid on the pot of the remaining pasta, and finished the rest of her water, her belly now uncomfortably full. She tore off two more paper towels, one for each of them, and they wiped their faces. What was that? Madison asked. Macaroni and cheese. Cheese? He repeated in awe. Cheese flavoring, she corrected, but it still tastes pretty good, right? Madison nodded enthusiastically. She laughed. Good. I'm going to go see if the shower works. She returned to the bathroom, moved aside the shower curtain of blue, green, and yellow squares, and propped herself on the side of the tub. The knobs were hot and cold, resisted at first, but with a creaking, whining sound, she was able to turn them, and water poured from the faucet. Rolling up her sleeve, she tested the temperature. It warmed after a few seconds. She pulled the knob over the faucet, and water showered from the spigot. Come on, she gestured to Madison, who had been hovering behind her. She helped him out of his sweater and the jacket and long sleeve underneath. He shivered in the cold air. You want to shower by yourself? She asked, wanting him to have a shot at the hot water first in case it gave out. He eyed the water, evaluating, and then gave a short nod. All right, don't take too long. She closed the door behind her, still reeling a bit from their luck. After so much struggle, it felt bizarre, like a dream. Tilda leaned against the wall outside the bathroom, knowing they had, at best, eight hours before the generator ran out of fuel. But that was enough. They'd be leaving tomorrow. She was anxious enough the man on his horse would show up, drawn by the sound. She let her mind wander until the door reopened and steam billowed out. Madison had redressed, his wet hair sticking up from where he tried to dry it. Go lay down a minute, she told him, entering the steamy bathroom and shutting the door behind her. Wasting no time, she shed herself of her clothes and climbed over the high edge of the tub, her form curled against the cold, relaxing almost immediately when warm water hit her skin. She breathed a sigh of relief, her muscles losing some of the tension that plagued them. She ran her fingers through her recently shorter hair, catching sight of a white bottle of generic two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. She squeezed some out onto her hands. It smelled clean. There wasn't a better word Tilda could think to describe it. Pleasant. She worked it through her hair and massaged her scalp, staring at her feet as dirty water swirled around them, leaving behind bruises that could have been mistaken for dirt splotches, washing away crusted blood and bits of leaf. Her muscles throbbed like one big bruise under her skin. She washed the suds from her hair, a sheet of it fanning in front of her face. She found a bar of soap and started scrubbing, wishing she'd thought to look for her wash rag before she'd hopped in the shower. Some of the dirt had hardened, almost absorbed into her skin. She washed at her face and scrubbed at her feet, almost losing her balance several times, wondering what it would be to die here by falling in the shower instead of all of those years spent out in the wilderness. She covered her eyes, taking several breaths. She made sure her hair was free of all shampoo and conditioner, pushing it out of her face before switching off the water, almost immediately feeling cold in the absence of its warmth. Her body shook like a leaf, and she climbed out, gangly in all limbs. She shuddered when the soles of her feet touched the cool tile of the floor. Tilda grabbed a towel from a rack attached to the wall and scrubbed herself, eager to dry off the cool droplets clinging to her skin. She caught sight of her body in the mirror and froze, bone showing through, a myriad of scars and bruises, imperfections. She wrapped the towel around her subconsciously, averting her eyes. Shame welled up within her. 
Quickly, she ran the towel over the rest of her body, running it roughly through her hair, wringing the ends. She remembered something her mother had done, twisting her hair in the towel and sitting it atop her head like some odd headpiece. Tilda tried it a couple of times, but it kept sagging and falling. She ran the towel over her skin once more for the remaining dampness and dressed with alacrity, practically jumping into her pants and throwing on her sweater, wanting to stop the steady spread of cold to her limbs and bones, her nose cold and her hair like a helmet of ice. She rubbed her arms to generate some warmth, but it did little to nothing. Sighing, she gave her sad appearance one last glance, turning away heavily. When she swung the bathroom door open, steam swirled and billowed. She'd never imagined they'd luck out and get showers and warm food, heat. They hadn't found this. They probably would have frozen to death in the woods, undiscovered for years. No one the wiser, no one to mourn them. All under her sloppy guidance. Tilda took a seat next to Madison on the couch. He was flipping through the magazines Tilda had previously perused. He looked at her, his face twisted in confusion. What's a beach potty? Tilda chortled. I don't know. People used to want to be thin. Yeah, I guess so. The look of shock on Madison's face was almost comical. Why? It was considered beautiful. and That's how clothes were designed to fit, I think. Beautiful? Madison harumphed under his breath, clearly thinking that was one of the silliest things he'd heard. I know, it's weird. Tilda agreed. So they starved themselves to to look good, Madison demanded, incredulous. Tilda shook her head. I don't know. Maybe. It didn't make much sense to her either. But then she thought of how insecure she felt at the sight of her own body, and she couldn't say she wouldn't do anything to alleviate that. She could relate to the need to not feel your skin crawling with disgust when you caught sight of yourself in the mirror. Apparently that was something that transcended time, apocalypse or not. Madison flipped the page and gasped aloud, pointing his finger at a picture of a man in nothing but a pair of shorts. Look at all those muscles, he exclaimed aghast. Tilda quirked her head, never having seen that amount of musculature. Was she supposed to be attracted to that? She looked at the wide grin. What in the world was he smiling at? The perfect white teeth, smooth skin free of sores, and pores as well. He seemed to her a different species. People were attracted to the oddest things, Tilda thought, part amused and part inadequate. That how I'm supposed to look when I get older? Tilda guffawed at the image his question produced. No, she chuckled, her stomach spasming, tickled. Almost immediately, she felt a sweeping sensation, thinking of Madison grown up. She'd never given it too much serious thought before, always more concerned with surviving the present to give the future much thought outside of where they would stay, what they would eat, which direction would they go. She gave him an easy smile, stroking his hair. No, you're not supposed to look like that. Madison twisted his lips. But that's what people liked? Thought they should look like? Not anymore. Tilda glanced at their reflections on the television screen. Madison relented, resuming his perusal of the magazine. Tilda pulled the blanket and comforter around them. Tired, with a full belly, and cleaner than she'd felt in weeks, 
Madison immediately snuggled up against her, resting his head on her shoulder. It's weird what people did before, Madison said sleepily. Tilda hummed her agreement, turning to check out the window. Patches of snow had melted, but it still took up most of the square field of vision the window offered her. Rays of sun filtered unevenly to the forest floor as clouds passed over them. While brighter than the previous days, it was still largely gray outside. They waited through time the rest of the day, cuddled under blankets, reading, small conversations, the light leaching gradually out of the room like a curtain very slowly being closed. Pink and orange hues painted the floor, jagged shadows of tree limbs and branches like thin arms, closing in on them, trapping them in a cold embrace until there were only fingers clutching at the edges of the room. And then darkness fell, quickly and totally. Tilda clicked on the lamp standing on the side table, an iron wrought thing with a family of bears at the base, following each other in a never-ending circle. The lampshade was faded yellow. Sickly light flooded the room, a small spotlight of it in the darkness. It must be a new moon outside. Madison and Tilda curled up more closely. How long will the power last? The cold morphed Madison's voice, making it sound thin and tempered. Tilda took a deep breath. A couple of hours. Not much longer, I think. We have to leave tomorrow, don't we? Madison asked in the quiet. Yes, Tilda responded. Madison didn't answer, just pressed tighter to her side. The sounds of their stomachs grumbling filled the room, disgruntled and greedy. It took a lot of coaxing, but eventually, Tilda's hunger won out, and she unhappily extricated herself from the blankets, tucking them around Madison, who almost immediately removed them and followed her to the kitchen, draping the thinner blanket around him like a cape. Tilda turned on the oven light, blue and fluorescent. She opened the pot, wondering if she could heat up the pasta without burning it. She twisted the knob to low. Madison rummaged behind her. She watched the pasta, stirring it to keep it from burning. She was struck by the thought that their world was very small, that they were contained in this moment. A tug at her side pulled her away from her reverie. Madison was at her side, two white packets in his hand. I found these. It says it's called hot chocolate. She could tell by the hopeful expression on his face that he was very much intrigued by this idea and that he very much wanted to experience it. It says just add hot water, he added helpfully. Get a pot, she told him, and he eagerly jumped to a bay, clanging through the cabinets. He held out what must have been the largest one he could find, and Tilda laughed. Smaller one, please. He disappeared and returned at her side within moments, a much smaller pot in his hands. Much better, she chuckled. See if you can find some bugs. Madison dutifully began searching while Tilda filled the pot with hot water and placed it on a smaller eye, turning it on high. Her son... Even after eight years, the word sounded foreign, reappeared at her side, a brightly colored mug in each fist. You can leave him on the counter. Madison did so with two clinks and she gave the pasta another stir, testing the temperature with her finger. Satisfied, she requested the plates. Madison returned almost before the words had left her mouth. Tilda removed the pot of now boiling water and carefully divided it among the two mugs and put the pot in the sink. She ripped open the packets of chocolate powder and tiny dehydrated marshmallows, funneling each into the mugs, opening the drawer with utensils and picking out two spoons. 
She shut the drawer with her hip and stirred the liquid, tiny whirlpools of chocolate and buoys of white sugar getting sucked down in the vortex. Careful, it's hot, she murmured, passing one of the mugs to Madison, who carefully walked it over to the table, determined not to spill any of the steaming chocolate. Tilda followed suit, setting her mug on the table and then returning to the stove to shovel the remaining pasta on their two plates. Tilda turned off the stove to conserve power. She placed one plate across from Madison and one in front of herself, handing him a fork. Together, they started eating noodles and sipping at chocolate, going about it much more slowly than they had earlier in the day, savoring what would probably be their last warm meal and the relative safety of these walls provided to them for a long time. You like the hot chocolate? Madison bobbed his head eagerly, slurping some from his mug. What are these white things? Marshmallows, Hilda responded. Tiny ones. At the look on his face, she realized the word of course meant nothing to him. They're like sugar and flour and uh, cream of tartar. They're sticky and chewy. People used to put them on sticks and roast them in fires. It'd make them melty and smushy. Then you make a sandwich with sweet crackers as the bread and chocolate and and the marshmallow, uh, which would melt the chocolate. They called it a s'more. Madison listened, entranced. A s'more? Yeah, because people wanted some more of them, Tilda explained, smiling. Madison's mouth fell open in a wide O. What a strange ritual it sounded now, even to Tilda's own ears. Her parents had taught her this odd bright in the fireplace in their living room on cold nights. The ingredients weren't necessarily hard to come by, but they weren't the easiest either. Tilda reckoned she'd only made s'mores a handful of times, more than Madison probably ever would. She'd kept an eye out for the ingredients. She wanted Madison to try it, as ridiculous as it was. There were so many things she wanted to show him. So many things of the old world that would soon be forgotten, traditions and rituals and ways of life dying out. She wanted to share those that had been passed to her before they went extinct, lost to the darkness. Tilda took a gulp of her own hot chocolate, swishing the chocolate around her tongue. She felt a comfortable buzzing underneath her skin, like her powdered chocolate and cheese and carbs had awakened her blood from a long slumber. She felt heady and heavy. Her stomach was uneasy, unused to the rich food, but she plowed through, determined, unwilling not to experience this very rare thing. Soon their plates were clean, their mugs empty. They both stared forlornly, not wanting their meal to be over. Squashing the desire to remain sitting, statuesque, Tilda cleared the table, piling their dishes in the sink. She heard the swish of Madison's makeshift cape as he exited the kitchen. Afraid the generator could cut off at any minute, Tilda filled four glasses with water, leaving two on the counter for later and taking the other two to drink for now. She switched off the light so that the doorway to the entry was illuminated. She followed Madison into the living area, flipping on the heat with one finger as she passed. If they were leaving tomorrow, may as well use up the last of the generator. The heat hummed to life. Tilda placed a glass of water on the side table for Madison and clutched the other in her hands. She crawled under the comforter and began sipping slowly, mulling over the options available to them, not wanting to dwell on venturing back out into that cold, but knowing that they would have to. Madison interrupted her grim thoughts. What would have happened to you? 
confused, Tilda turned to look down at the top of his head. What do you mean? If you hadn't, you know, left with me at the hospital, what would have happened to you? Tilda had never given it much thought outside of, perhaps I shouldn't have done this. At least Madison would be safe, even if he wasn't with me. She pondered for a second. Knowing what she knew now, that the father was the son of Aaron and Darla Delane, arguably two of the most powerful people alive, she imagined they would have wanted her as far away as possible, tucked away out of sight. She didn't know if they'd told the nurses what their son had done, or if the staff had even known Madison's true identity, how they planned on claiming him. Yes, they would have shipped her to the middle of nowhere, where no one would know her, and no one would ask, and she'd die in obscurity, a working prisoner. I don't know, she said, which was the truth. She could only speculate. I think they would have put me to work somewhere far away. They wouldn't have killed you? He questioned, quiet. No. There aren't enough of us to kill. Not when it takes work to keep things running. As soon as she said it, she wondered if she should have. It was a dark thing to say to a child, even if it was honest. And what would have happened to me? He whispered. They would have raised you, Tilda said with hollow certainty. Perhaps that would have been better, even if the thought of Madison growing up with the people who believed HSV-5 as punishment for humanity's sins, who were complicit in its initial spreading, made her breath catch and her stomach queasy. Madison seemed to ponder that for a moment, and Tilda couldn't help but wonder if he was thinking the same thing. His next question surprised her. Do you think my grandmother is dead? The image of Darla bleeding on the floor immediately rose to Tilda's mind with unwanted clarity. Again, she replied, I don't know. Since they'd escaped DC, there had been no broadcast, although Tilda didn't suspect Arm would be doing any broadcast anytime soon. She'd changed the world order without meaning to. She had just wanted to do what was best for Madison. And what did the world think of that? She felt a surge of homesickness. Tilda imagined her mother sitting in her favorite emerald green chair, reading a heavy tome. Tilda turned off the light, but they both sat awake, thinking. Eventually, Madison and Tilda wandered into sleep as the darkness closed in around them. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight. 
like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And that brings us to the end of this month's fiction. It was kind of funny to read over the show. I was just kind of laughing with Samantha. I don't remember a lot of this. Uh, and again, just a reminder, I wrote this for NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. And I have not really edited it because I kind of um, both didn't want to add that extra work to me. But also, I think it's interesting to look back at what was going on in my head when I first started this job at Stuff I Never Told You. And so it's been fun going back over it. Uh, this chapter was funny because I know exactly what I was thinking. I've never had a generator. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how they work. Uh, if you are listening to this and are like, no... But I did grow up near a survivalist neighbor who had one. Um, and he was very always telling me like how I'm going to survive in the, the wilderness when things go wrong. So I could see that shining through. It is also funny how often the generator is a thing in horror games like The Last of Us. That's, That's a true. huge thing. They hear the generator and then the zombies all come rushing. All of them. <laughs> Also, it cracked me up because I was like, wow, my comfort foods are the same. Uh, because there's that whole bit about when they finally get hot water, what do they make? Mac and cheese and hot chocolate. <laughs> so it, it is kind of like a snapshot into what was going on at the time. But it's also fun and sometimes kind of like, huh. Like, oh, yeah, that's still true. Uh, <laughs> I'm still the mac and cheese. Yes. The hot chocolate. Yes. But anyway, I'm very excited to share where this goes. As much as I don't remember, I do remember the end, and I'm excited. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hope that you're all enjoying it. And as always, Christina is amazing. We love hearing from you about it. We love that we get to do things like this um, every now and again, because they do take more work. Uh, but yeah, if you have any any theories, what's going to happen? Or if you have any um, things from the public domain that we could 
give a similar treatment to, we would love to do that. Uh, you can email us at Stephanie and MomStuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuff Podcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. We have a tea Public store and we have a book that you can get wherever you get your books. Uh, thanks as always to, yes, our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.